Welcome in everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione getting ready for our very first Open coming up in Rock Hill this weekend. Not to mention the draft, the rookie showcase, all kinds of fun stuff. So big weekend coming up. I know I'm pumped. You guys ready? I'm ready. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. This is great. This year, I don't have to push the buttons. I get to walk around and like do stuff. You guys are doing all the work. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, you is have that no right? Job? Yeah. And now, hey, like, uh, you know, Corey and Chase are producing the draft while he's doing the live stream. You guys are the on camera talent. Like, I don't know. I might just like eat some food Chilling. and like, uh, you know, walk around and I'll do some pick announcement. I'll give like a really intense pick. Yeah. With the fifth nice. pick. But, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's going yeah, like, to be fun. I feel like that would be a bummer not to have you like jump in on analysis here and there, right? Oh, no, I will. Like, whenever okay. I feel like it, like, you know, just whatever. But it's like, okay. it's like, like, I'll, I'll give it to, you know, Wally and Corey, I mean, uh, Corey and Chase. Um, I don't know if they know what they've signed up for just yet. They may, they may change. I mean, they may feel differently once they get going. But like, last year, when I did, I was overwhelmed. I was like, uh, I was like trying to do all these different things. And then I was like yelling at people when they weren't supposed to be somewhere. I was not a very like, happy camper i guess trying to do that it's hard it's hard to produce these type of shows so no, Corey told me the other day that it's a lot he goes this is a lot <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. and they were so ready to sign up for it. like him and chase yeah. were like yes we want to do this i was like are you sure and they were like oh yeah we got this and then like i think they started to digest how much putting on this draft this weekend is gonna be it's fun it's challenging because it's something different, right? It's different than your traditional live stream that you've done a thousand times now, but it's it's difficult. Yeah, Trey's a pretty pretty chill dude, you know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, anytime you get real intense and things are happening, people are going to get overworked. But I've never seen you that overworked than at that draft. Uh, there were some moments where I'm like, oh yeah, Trey's getting after it right now this is awesome <laughs> yeah i yelled at somebody when stacy walked out on stage and they nobody pre-opened the rings yes. and so on camera he's ripping <laughs> open these i'm like if someone doesn't get out there and help him i'm gonna lose my mind oh, like, that was the best poor stacy too i was just like just pre-open the rings make it so he literally just has to go yes. here he's out there ripping open stuff and like oh, he's no. his teeth. yeah <laughs> golly it gives me nightmares so it was um, well the good news is like a... I'm, i'll be on standby to help with stuff like that yes now, you so. could actually jump in but, but that was a bit of a media like uh, emergency there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear and metal hit the ground just ding you're like oh <laughs> that's not good <laughs> oh no okay i mean look the first time like you guys you surpassed that one this time we'll surpass this one i mean it'll just keep right. getting better and better it's it's good well, i mean long people time. forget like people a lot of people thought last year was the first year but we did stream it the year before so this is actually the third year we did bernie ripped year his number pants. One. yeah ripped <laughs> pants oh, bernie funny. i mean <laughs> we thought we did a really good job and like we were so proud of it and i remember seeing like we just got like ridiculed for it too it's like oh man this is lame blah 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 i was like Dang, I thought we did a pretty good job. And then last year made me want to pull my hair out. So it's like, I think this year I'm confident. I think we got a good plan. Everything's much more organized. I, I'm I'm really excited for this one. Should be good. But also happening uh, this weekend is the actual Open. So we're going to start with that. So that's October 6th through 8th at the Rock Hill Sports and Event Center. 
open singles Friday afternoon, open doubles Saturday morning and afternoon. Uh, what should we be looking out for, Jay? Yeah, this is, you know, um, interesting, right? Because we look to the first open of the year and you try to get an idea of what's going to happen, who's comes in. Like, are you, are you still writing some momentum from last season? Are you starting new? Are people breaking out new bags? Like, what is, what is the dynamic going on here? And every which way I tried to, to come up with some different storylines, everything came back to Jamie Graham. And part of the reason it comes back to Jamie Graham is because even I was going through these like record books in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, is there anybody that has had more success in like any capacity consistency wise than Jamie Graham in Rock Hill? Go back to 2020. Jamie Graham wins a pro invitational qualifier in doubles with Frank Modlin. Okay, which was essentially the beginning of the shootout series. He comes in second place to Matt Morton, who at the time was unbelievable. So he's first place, second place. That same year, he gets goes to the man of the year championship, which was essentially the pro shootout championship, wins that, goes to the singles world championship, wins that. We're now four for four singles and doubles where he could make a final or win the entire thing in Rock Hill in one season, then makes the final four of doubles. I mean, we're talking about in the same year. So dominates there, right? We go into um, 2022 last year. Jamie Graham didn't have a great season, but he makes it all the way to the final four of pro singles. Okay. So he had success there. Then we go to this year. He wins the singles world championship. And then on top of that, I kind of jump dates a little bit. Go back to the first open of last year. He wins singles and he wins doubles with Chad Hunt. There, Jamie Graham has won more tournaments in Rock Hill than yep. he has lost. I mean, if you add them all up together, it is unbelievable the odds on Jamie Graham winning something at this first open should be better than him not winning, which is the idea of that is honestly mind boggling, right? He has had so much success, especially on the single side, a little bit on the double side. He's just absolutely dominated the building. And now the only thing that's the big question mark is right. How does he handle going to the all cornhole bags? But if you think about it, that's what he won with in 2020. I mean, that's what he's 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 had success with before in the past. So honestly, like there's a lot of great storylines. And I think I'll get to rookies in a second. But for me, one of the biggest, biggest elements of this entire, entire uh, uh, this entire event is the fact that Jamie Graham doesn't lose in Rock Hill. He just flat out does not lose. So that's that's a big thing I'm looking for. Um, the other big storyline for me is obviously rookies. It's going to be our first opportunity to see the high profile rookies competing. Right. And the other element of it is this is going to feel as close to a national as an open can get. And that is because on Sunday of this event, as many pros as can make it are participating in a media day. So they were asked really, really nicely to come to this first open event of the season, which means it's going to have a high, high percentage of players being pro players. So these rookies 
are going to find out very quickly where they lie kind of in, in this uh, mold of all these great professional players. We're looking at the Caden Allen, the Jeremiah Ellis, Austin Camerons, Braden Wilsons, Ryan Traders, even the young kids. Looking at all of these young guns and even rookie players that have an opportunity to make a splash in the pro division over the course of this next year, this is their first opportunity to really make their names known because a lot of eyes are going to be on this first event as we kind of kick off the season. We have the draft. We have all these different things. So ultimately, I think it's Jamie Graham and the rookies are who are ultimately who I'm watching this year. Anthony, who are you looking out for? Man, there's a lot of ways to look at it, right? Um, I, I think uh, with with us being able to watch so many elite level matches, I'm a bit of a snob now. Like I only want to watch elite level matches now. Uh, to be honest, it's brutal to watch comp or intermediate level matches just because you're used to <clears throat> the best, the best shots, the best decision making. So certainly I want to go out there and see some of your top guys like <clears throat> Justin Burton Jr. is going to be in the field. You know, Hunter Thorne, who's an upcoming player, Devin Harbaugh coming back for a new season, who I think is set for an amazing season alongside Kyle Malone. I want to see these guys uh, play and then certainly in doubles, seeing some of these new doubles teams coming out in the new season that we, um, you know, didn't essentially see last year. But I'm really excited, like Trey was saying, about seeing the rookies Um, and not just rookies, but. You know, we're looking at the draft. We're looking at some of these players that we expect to come in and and make noise at the top level. Not just that I'm a rookie, but I could probably shake up the top 20, the top 30 as a rookie. So I definitely have eyes on some of these guys, you know, um, like a Frank Verona. Just to, you know, a young kid that's coming in pretty hot. I want to get eyes on this kid. What does Chris Fagan look like now coming into his rookie season as a pro who, you know, showed a lot of promise um, in the collegiate part of it and also just killing it in Florida um, these guys I haven't been able to get eyes on, but I see a lot on paper. I, I look at a lot of brackets. I look at a lot of stats. So I see some of who some of these players can beat or have beaten. I see pretty amazing numbers and, and players like, you know, uh, Tommy, is it slicker or Sliker? Do you guys know? Sliker. Tommy Sliker's on my list. Uh, Jaden Ellis, obviously who came out, um, and killed it at worlds. Um, Fath Sem, another guy that I just haven't seen play. But he's shown, and when we get into the draft, we can the draft discussion. We'll talk a little bit more about these. But you know, really getting behind the boards and watching these guys go through a whole game, um, because I'm going to learn a lot from. Okay, they have this type of scenario. How are they handling it? Where are their strengths and weaknesses within their game? So, absorbing that information is going to be really key for me going into next season when we're getting on live streams, when we're getting on ESPN, when we're talking about rankings and power rankings all this information is going to come into play not just looking at paper so i'm really excited uh, at some of these guys that we're going to get to see and then players i think that could really come out and accelerate themselves from last season um you know we saw a guy like a carson getty show some promise can he come into this new season and really crack open maybe a top 15 a top 20 you know we we've seen guys like uh zach shibner come in and really make did do a really good job as a rookie. I mean, yeah, he wasn't top 15. He wasn't top 20, but we got to start identifying those guys, you know, like a Tony Smith who is 49th after his rookie season and now the best player in the world. Who could that new 49th player be that could come out and shock us all and end up a top one, two or three player. Um, you know, Steven Burnison, a committed pro player. I really wanted more out of him last season. 
what are we going to get out of that guy? Jackson Gore, you know, a guy who was at the top of the chain. I think he finished 12th or something kind of fell off. Can he get that mental game back? I really want to see what he looks like coming into the new season. Uh, you know, a Cheyenne Bubenheim who's going to be playing through this pregnancy. I want to see how she's dealing with that and how she's working through that. Uh, Ethan Walker could be that Tony Smith, you know, a guy who finished 45, 50, somewhere in there could blow us all up and, and, and come in and, and crack into the top 10. So really want, want to look at that. So for me, Mish, it's kind of like, I want to see that elite level play from the guys that we always get good, good games out of, but I might find myself kind of veering away from those games that I really love to see and really starting to get a glimpse at the rookie class and some of these players that I think could move in from 50, 60 to possibly 15, 10 and see what they look like in the new season. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Trey, one thing I didn't see on here. Uh, did you did you want to talk at all about the rookie showcase and what we're expecting? Wow, there? you literally just read my mind. I was literally just gonna bring that up. Misha's on <laughs> on a tear right now. That was the one thing I was gonna bring up is like, uh, is this rookie showcase? So like, it's not being streamed this year, and I know so many people are gonna be clamoring for a stream. That'll be Corey and Chase's job next year. Um, but the idea, you know, work out some kinks, see how it goes. But I'm excited for this rookie showcase. So all of the rookies, I think almost everyone's going to be there except like four or five out of the 48 rookies that we have. So we have 48 rookies this year. So I think around 43 or 44 are going to be there. Um, and that's really exciting. I can't wait to see it. Uh, they're going to go through a number of different stations. So the first station is not necessarily in order, but they're going to go through a deck around. So they'll throw 10 rounds, right? And score as many points as you can. Put as many bags in the hole as you can, right? A, a straight up, PPR, let's see how high you can throw a type of station, right? This is going to be a great baseline valuation tool, right? How high can this guy score when the pressure's on? He gets one take. Can can he throw, you know, 40 out of 48 bags in, right? That's going to be a really great PPR indicator. Then there's going to be an airmail station. Literally throw eight rounds or 16 rounds of airmails. That's the only thing you can do, right? There's going to be a block in front. You got to hit the airmail, right? And I think that's going to be really exciting to see, right? An easy, easy opportunity to gauge someone's airmail. Then we go to push, right? Can a player go through a push? Can they collect? Can they can they take something with them? Um, I think that's going to be an interesting station. Then they're going to have to lay a block station, right? Can I literally lay a block in the middle of the board? And for some people, I can't wait to see how bad some of the scores are going to be on this one, right? Because some people just don't block, right? You're asking them to do something that they're never going to do. And I think that's going to be interesting as we try to take into consideration what these overall scores are. And then finally, uh, Anthony and I's station, I like to call it, because we've been really scheming behind the, the scenes, is the play the block station. So the idea is there's a block in the board uh, on the middle of the board. It could be in a couple different positions, right? How do you handle that? right? Are you the person that wants to throw the airmail, that wants to roll it, that wants to go through it, wants to go around it? There's going to be opportunities to do any of that and be scored on any one of those things. So really, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun because yep. we're going to be able to, to grade people based on what their strengths are, right? And so ultimately, a rookie is going to go through every single one of these stations and get a score on each one of these stations. And all of that will then be provided to the different ACL pro captains. And I'm going to be very interested to see how similar it is, right, to the NFL draft. I mean, for example, I mean, Anthony, if, if I'm, you know, I looked at my draft, right, and I had someone at the end, near the end of the first round, like Matt Sorrells, right? 
and maybe Matt Sorrells is a bad example because he's kind of, you know, maybe a Jamie Fincham, right? Because he's someone that we, 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 some people are really high on, some people not so much. I mean, it has a lot of potential, but if he came out out of 120 total possible points, usually we see really good pros in the 100 to 112 range, right? If he comes out and throws an 87 deck around, Anthony, like, do you drop him out of your first round if you're a captain? I mean, how much do you think, would you say, if you're on that end, Anthony, how much would you take into consideration what some of these rookies are doing at the showcase to determine what you do in the draft? Oh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to play into it big, but I also think what's going to be important is knowing that particular player's game style. If I have a Matt guy come out and throw a deck around or an airmail challenge, he's going to smoke everybody in the field, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best player in the field. So I think we need to look a little bit deeper than, oh, you were the top in PPR, but you sucked at handling a block, you know? So I think we have to like really compare those pieces. Yes, the overall score is going to help us get an all-around game, but I I plan on taking it one level deeper and kind of looking at the individuals. And I think it's going to paint a picture of what style game that these players have. Yeah, it might play a, a lot more into later in the rounds too. When I'm in round six and I'm like, Jeez, I'm like, I don't know who to take. Oh, this guy, you know, this guy had a sneak, you know, his his yeah. airmail game was bad, right? His role, he didn't have a role game. His play the block was just okay. But when you put him in a deck around, he scored a really high deck around. That tells me he's a player that's going to run a lot of bags in the yes, hole. Exactly. Again, in round five or six, I'm not getting a top 10 player. I have to understand what those stakes are. So I think that may be the opportunity to really get some count them value later in the draft. Right, right. Value. <laughs> Always got to have value in there every episode. <laughs> Moving into uh, news around the league, we have some uh, pro partners that were released and a very unique way of releasing them. If you saw the Titan video, uh, but let's go through them. Adam By the Isner way, that video, Trevor- come on, tell me that video wasn't awesome. That was straight Amazing. comedy. I was rolling. That was very oh, creative. Wow. You know what's so funny? So Team Titan, they released the video, and the funniest part was, like, I didn't even realize until halfway through the video that they also recorded the music. Like, the music itself, they're singing Titan Family the entire time. Like, I thought it was, like, some generic stock, like, (laughs) music that they had just used. And then I was like, they recorded music for this, right? (laughs) But now it makes total sense why it took so long for all their partners to announce it because they're like, all right, guys, you got to get in town. We got to film this. We got to yes. edit it, and then we can release it. It was worth the wait. I was dead. I was dead. Worth the wait for sure. Uh, Adam Hisner, Trey Birchfield, Jordan Power, Joe Neistead, Josh Holland, and Duncan Clemmer, Philip Lopez Jr. and Stephen Bernisette, Nico Morales, and Tyler Poitras, and Eric Zockline and Jordan Camba are the uh, new pro partners released from Titan. Still partnerless that we haven't heard anything from. James Baldwin, Cody Henderson, Eric Davis. What's going on there? We don't know. Yeah. I got all these. I don't know. I shouldn't speak for Anthony. Sometimes he has some information. Yeah, you kind of quickly went over that. But that first one, we could have stopped there and probably talked about that one for 15 minutes. Adam Crazy. Hisner and Trey Birchfield. Um, a lot of storylines against that one, right? We have a longtime team in Hisner-Henderson breaking up. Where does that even leave Henderson? We we don't even know yet. Maybe you guys know. I don't know anything. You know, Henderson's a pretty quiet person, but that one alone out of that list, um, yeah, that that's a huge one coming in. I think into the new season and has a lot of storylines. What are your what are your thoughts on just that one alone, Trey? 
Yeah, I I was so shocked that Trey Birchfield is not throwing for Lucky. I mean, so shocked. I mean, I saw him in Paris. That was less than a month ago. And there was no indication that he was even hinting at the fact of leaving Lucky. It was like, how am I going to find someone to align with type of thing? And, you know, as we get all the way through this, I mean, ultimately, um, be really interesting to see how this team matches up now. Personality-wise, it's like, I just don't know how... Hisner is going to go from throwing with Henderson, who's someone that's literally going to abuse him on the other end verbally, to someone that won't say a word beside let's go. Like, I mean, he'll say let's go, and that's about it. And it just... I just find it so interesting, and I I had genuinely no idea how that is going to work out. I mean... Obviously, it could be a huge win for both players, or it could be a big loss for both players, right? Trey Birchfield goes in from Alex Rawls, number two player in the world, right? Adam Hisner goes from Cody Henderson in a long run that they've had of somewhat dominance to now they're throwing with each other, and that could be good or could be bad. I mean, I don't know what the ceiling and floor is of this team. It seems like a really big range. So answer, answer your question, Anthony. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of, uh, at least I did, we kind of saw the Hisner-Henderson breaking up eventually. You know, Cody's, Cody's Cody's an intriguing guy, right? He's very unique, yeah. and he's unpredictable. You know, he's committed to the game. He's not committed to the game. He's not going to play anymore. He is going to play. So a guy like Adam Hisner, who is committed to this game, I mean, he's playing nonstop. I think finding someone who's more stable and still at the top of the game uh, is important for him. I don't think that this was a Hisner call. I think this was more of, you know, Henderson maybe making the decision for them. I I think I don't have inside information, but that's got to be tough when you have a partner that's just in, they're out, they're on the fence, you know, and they're very, um, you know, going through a tournament with that person all day is is, is a roller coaster ride, if you will. There's a lot of emotions involved. Um, but on Trey Birchfield's side, it doesn't surprise me that he left Team Lucky. I think that there's a really strong relationship there between Birchfield and Hennessy. I don't think that there's any bad blood. I think Hennessy's going to wish Birchfield the best. But we're seeing bag sponsorships really driving all these changes this year. We've been saying it over and over again. And when you look at Team Lucky and who is essentially left with Rawls going over and finding a new partner – Birchfield has to kind of look at who's left in the pool because I don't think Lucky's going to go out and sign new people. They're going to look at who they have. I've got Caden Allen for you if you want him. I've got Matthew Sorrells already locked up if you want him. And Trey had to make a decision. Do I want to go with an Allen or Sorrells or see if there's another opportunity out there for me? And that opportunity probably presented itself with a decent contract through Titan, and it just made more sense from a from a business standpoint. I guess it makes me wonder, like, who's our longest standing partners now? Like, what's the longest partnership, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better term, that we have? Because I feel like it was Henderson and yeah. and Hisner. Maybe Grindersley Batson got to be up there, what, four seasons maybe? Yeah. yeah I mean, ever since ever since Batson's gotten in the league, it's been now. I mean, that's, that's a good – I mean – if you really want to go way back and like not a, not necessarily a top ten team, but it's probably going to be someone like a Michael Lucas Jr. and a Michael Dingus. Ah, yep, probably cool. someone along that lines. But um, man, yeah, it's it's different. Um, it's just very weird. If I was going to add anything else, you know, power in Neistat. Like, yep. what's really cool is that Henderson, I mean, Hisner and Birchfield. Um, 
and power and set. Those are two really good teams for team Titan to turn around and, and be able to get behind. I mean, those are usually if you, if you're, you know, most of these bag manufacturers got that one team and then they got that a couple, two or three guys. I mean, they have two number one teams in my mind that can on any given day, give a really good run. So I watch out for them. I love Lopez and Bernaset because I think it both gives them an opportunity to showcase how good they are. Yep. Josh Holland, Duncan Clemmer, if they had signed at the end of the 2021 season, we'd probably be talking about them being a top five team, top seven team. I mean, with how good they both were at that time. Now they both had not great seasons this past year, right? So this is a, this might be one of the lowest floor to highest ceiling ranges out of any team in the entire pro division. Cause this could be a top five team. This could be a top 40 team, right? I mean, there's, there's not a lot of teams that have that big of a range, especially concentrated towards the top. And I'm very interested to see how they play. Yeah, I agree with all that. If I were to add anything, it would be to the morellis Poitras matchup. I actually love this one a lot. I think both guys are in the same position where they're ready to prove to the world what they're capable of doing. And I think that they have that elite level play to move possibly into a top 10 position as a doubles team. So I think they're coming in with similar goals. Uh, and I think they'll work really well together, uh, just, just chemistry-wise, what type of people they are. Um, two really good human beings that I actually are very fond of in the league. And I think that they're going to do really well together. I'm excited to see what they do. Agreed. Moving into our draft preview. Uh, we went over a, a big part of the draft last week, but now we're going to get into your picks for the first round. Uh, before we get into that though, trade that you got some news for us some trade news. Yeah, it's good. Coming out of news around the league, literally just across. So you guys, if you guys hear this on Tuesday, you're like, that's old news. Well, it's, Literally happened like an hour ago for us. So, um, yes, the the Carolina Coasters have made it well known that they wanted Frank Maudlin. Captain Jamie Graham is now playing with Frank Maudlin in pro doubles this year. He wanted to go after Frank. You got the Carolina tie. You got his pro partner. They wanted him. So they reach out to the Timber, okay, and they execute a trade, okay? So I can say the final details are – the Coasters are sending Derek King and their first round pick, which is fourth overall, okay, to the Colorado Timber. The Timber will receive those. The Timber are sending Frank Maudlin and their second round pick, which is 24th overall. Those are being sent over to the Carolina Coasters. So I'll also let you guys on some insider information. This was not the first proposal. Uh, this was back and forth, back and forth. The first proposal had Frank Maudlin versus a first-round pick straight up, and that was not accepted by both teams, Not uh, did not come to an agreement. There was talks of other players on the team being swapped out. Ultimately, where they land on is, is the swap with Derek King and Frank Maudlin and the first and fourth-round picks. So, um, I thought very interesting, interesting trade. Uh, the coasters wanted Frank Maudlin and they were going to, they were going to do what they could. Now I thought it was honestly pretty even maybe favors the timber a little bit. I kind of like a first round pick a little bit more than Frank Maudlin. But when you add the fact that Jamie Graham is going to get an added bonus of playing with his pro partner during the team's match, to me, it becomes a little bit more even if, uh, be interested to get your take on that, Anthony. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it feels like it was it was a pretty good call by both teams. It just the piece we don't know is where in the draft, who's left when they finally get their pick, uh, when they get that first round pick. And I think that's going to be key. But I agree. It is highly likely that that first round pick could outplay Frank Modlin next season. So that could be a huge, huge pickup for uh, you said it was Colorado Timber, right? That made this deal. Yeah, yeah, so that would be that would be huge. Uh, but we just got to see how it plays out. It's, it's, it's yeah. Well, speaking of which, we're going to go through your guys's mock draft here, and I'm curious to see how this changes if it does change things. Uh, swapping those those picks there. So Trey, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, we'll start with mine. Mine's not updated. I mean, literally, this happened 30 minutes yeah. ago. I don't have a new graphic already made. So, <laughs> but this is going to give us something to talk about when we talk about relevant uh, spots in the draft. So. When we look through this, this is my first round mock draft, okay? We talk about, um, I think Jacob Gordon goes first overall. I will personally go all the way out on a ledge and say, if it's not Jacob Gore, then I think it's a mistake. Agree. And and because, yes, I understand Caden Allen is there. I understand Jeremiah Ellis is a really high-profile rookie. But you're talking about someone that almost went through the entire pro season, ranked in the top 10, has broadcast his court experience, both winning and losing, right? You cannot get more of a surefire bet right now in my mind than Jacob Gore. I think it would be dumb for the Cutters not to go get him. Now, immediately following that, I got Allen and Ellis to me. They're the two highest profile rookies. Sammy Soto is close. Now, this could change a little bit. I have the Coasters at four. They have now traded that pick. So keep in mind that Colorado Timber have an opportunity to get back into four here. In my mind, I value Soto a little bit higher than Gore. So in this case, it would not surprise me if Sammy Soto actually goes four here to the Colorado Timber. What would that do? That would free up on that six to maybe get somebody different or, or you could pick up Gore if he's still available and get Soto and Gore as a doubles team. Now that would be an incredible flip for the timber. If they're able to get four and six and get a doubles team, that's really highly touted with Jackson Gore and Sammy Soto. So I'm really interested to see that Braden Wilson, I have going one pick short to the bully baggers. I promise you, Braden Wilson and Sammy Soto will not drop past the bully baggers. Okay. I know both. I know everybody on that text. <laughs> that is not wants. happening. That's not happening. So if either one of those guys is available, they will go to the bully baggers at nine. I have Cripps still there. Cripps has had a really good season last year. He was top 35 to me. I think with the, a little bit of affinity being in Louisiana, close to Texas, I think, Caleb Batson and Eddie Grindersley will pick him up. Then I go on a kind of a run of regional fits. Chris Royable, not really well known across the country, but in Arizona, he is known as arguably the best player in Arizona. They want to scoop him up before they go to the second round in which they are picking at the end of the second round. So there's a large gap there. Mike Jackwis from that region, from the Michigan area, people in that area know how good he is. And then Vincent Frisch getting picked up by the California Slingers. Again, another opportunity for him to end up in a hometown team. So I think we get some regional fits there with some other wild cards in the end. Bella Soprenit, we don't know how, you know, where she ends up as far as a ranking go and how much 
she's ready to play. But do the Mays take take a flyer on her? Ryan Windsor, I think he knows how good she can be. And even Matthew Sorrells, another regional fit. I don't think Alex Rawls will let Matthew Sorrells fall into the second round. I think he picks him up. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my first round uh, mock draft. I've got a lot of similar ones as you, Trey. But I'm just curious when I, for both of you as I was looking through this, um, Mark Burgess. Like I didn't don't think he's on anyone's first round, but didn't he do like phenomenal last season? Is he just getting overlooked? Yeah, he's 100% getting overlooked because, I mean, I, I think he was consistent. And a lot of times what it is is if you're going to be one of those people that gets picked up by a team, you um, if you get picked up by a team, you are – it's because you had a really good run somewhere where you became memorable. And I just fly driving around, driving me crazy <laughs> right now. Um, but I just one you have the one memorable finish. Burgess was never like that. He was just really solid. And I think people forget how solid he actually was uh, as a player. Just wondering. All right, Anthony, yeah, let's, let's talk about yours. Okay. Yeah. And with a guy like uh, a guy like Burgess, I mean, when you start looking at the second round, at least for me, he starts to pop up. So okay. he's kind of to just right outside. I think of that, that first round. Um, all right, this is really small on my screen. Jake Gore, yeah, we agree on that one. Absolutely. I, I think you said it all. I don't think I need to say more. He should absolutely be uh, the first pick. Um, I went with Alex Hicks next, and my first three are going to go pro, pro, pro. Jake Gore, Alex Hicks, uh, Jackson Gore. Um, I think that what we've seen from these pros, the experience, the ESPN um, you know, experience, they know how these pro events work. They know how to stand next to a Matt guy you know, or a Caleb Batson or a Tony Smith. They know what that feels like. Um, I think that accounts for something. You put some of these higher end players like a Jeremiah Ellis, who's going to be up there, you know, a Sammy Soto. You can't tell me the first time that they go on ESPN or a, not even ESPN, a feed standing next to like a Matt guy that that's not going to play a mental role. I think that these three pros have the mental part figured out and their accolades uh, speak for themselves. It's when we get to the fourth pick where we start to Talk about some of the new field. Um, you went two with Caden Allen. I went four. Absolutely, he's at the top, right? We're talking about a guy that was number two in non-pros in open. So he qualified via the open standings, which tells me he's out there grinding. He's putting the work in. He was the second-ranked player in the entire database outside of pros. Um, we're talking about a guy who has back-to-back -back years has won an advanced bracket at Worlds. Um, that That's an unbelievable uh, accomplishment along with his open accomplishments. He's an open singles winner. I mean, if you look at the players that who have never won an open singles, you're talking about Caden Allen, who is ahead of a guy like Hisner, Henderson, Ruben, Grindersleep. These guys have never won a singles open. A guy like Caden Allen has, and he should be he should be in that top four. I go Jeremiah Ellis, and this one gets a little um, you know, it, it could be an argument. You went three, I went five. We're right in the same point. You coinc or uniquely. Jeremiah Ellis knocked Caden Allen out of the bracket at Worlds in the advanced division. Now, I think that shows his level of play. It was like a 21 to 17 match. It might have been one round difference. But why I'm giving Caden the nod is, is what he's been able to accomplish in his ACL career. We just don't have that from Ellis, but certainly worth um, a top five pick. Sammy Soto coming in. You had We actually both had him at six. Six, six. We agree on that one. And Trey, I think we had... 12 or 13 of our 16 are the same. So I think that uh, it's just those regional ones that you picked is where we get a little different. Um, Sammy Soto went on ESPN, won the USA Junior event, uh, took second in his bracket at Worlds in the advanced division. 
Um, he lost the king seat to Jeremiah Ellis, who eventually went on to win third, 19 to 21. So you're talking about Sammy Soto taking the the third position in the entire world's advanced division, took him to 21-19. Soto's basically one win away from winning a bracket there. So he certainly should be up there. Matthew Sorrells is going to be one of those players where uh, we're all anticipating an Im improved Sorrells coming back. I'm really excited to see what Matthew Sorrells. Anyone who follows the Florida guys uh, on social media, you'll see a Sorrells. I've been able to see a lot of Sorrells games. This guy has leveled up and he has matured his game. So when we talk about how can you handle a block, you know, before I would say Sorrells was a guy who ran a bag and had an insane airmail or ran bags and had an insane airmail. He throws a natural cut, but he's flattened that thing out a little bit and he can handle a block. He has a mature roll bag. He has the ability to cut speed control. I think Sorrells is going to be up there. Uh, number seven for me, Braden Wilson. We both had it eight. We also tied at that one or had him at the same spot. Um, again, this kid speaks for himself. The number one ranked non-pro in the open qualification. He was 11th overall. We're talking about a player who's ahead of Fisher Hamilton, Ryan Smith, Trzinski, just to name a few. He outranked these guys in open uh, in open positions. Um, this guy, if we look at the entire field of 300 plus pros, nobody played more rounds of cornhole than Braden Wilson. 3,420 rounds of regional or higher play. The average pro, this will kind of blow your mind, 300 rounds. Braden Wilson played 10 times more cornhole than the average pro in regional play and up. If you go five spots down, he's 1,000 rounds ahead of the sixth place guy. So we're talking about a kid that is out there grinding, and he is going to be nasty. I mentioned Tommy uh, Slyker a little bit earlier. What's unique about this guy is <clears> – <throat> He's at the top of the chain, you know, the top 10 in, in the, the PPR stat. He's really high up in there in DPR. So for me, I'm looking at a guy, not only statistically, but let's look at what he's done. He's doing that out of a tough conference of Carolina. So we're not talking about a guy that has a top ranked DPR, you know, living in Montana. You know, this guy has a high DPR. He is outscoring his opponents in a tough Carolina conference. He only lost at Worlds to the eventual second place player grant upchurch so he 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 took second in his bracket losing 21 to 17 to grant upchurch so i'm looking at not only stats but what he's able to accomplish up against some top players um what is this my number 10 yeah number 10 austin cameron i think this guy's on everyone's list uh this guy kills it in the outscoring his opponent category he's not going to be your ppr guy he's a guy that just does what it takes to grind out points um, sixth in the entire uh, or in the entire draft division in PPR, so that's where he's going to be. Also, did really good at well uh, at Worlds. Took second in his bracket, um, only losing to Vincent Frisch, uh, who ended up taking down that bracket. So I think he's going to be good. This guy, Fath Sem, and 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 Trey, I kind of you kind of nodded your head a little bit earlier. I think is he local to you or kind of do you get? Yeah. Tell me about this guy because he is third <laughs> in PPR. He's ninth in DPR. You know, he has one world's brackets um, and he qualified as a pro through the pro qualifier. So he has the pedigree. What do you see when you see this guy play? Yeah, he runs a lot of bags and he's got a nasty airmail. Absolutely he never misses nasty airmail. airmail. It's crazy. Ever. I feel like I watched him ever, never miss. He's, he's just, he's just one of those guys. He's a grinder. You talked about rounds. Um, all right. By the way, we're skipping name that player at the end. I already messaged Michelle about it. We're way over time. But um, 
the uh, so Pat said what I was gonna he was gonna be one of my name name your players or name my players. He has the second highest PPR out of any of the rookies, which you yep. wouldn't have guessed. And you were talking about Braden Wilson with that three thousand rounds. He's got twenty six hundred rounds. Yeah. Okay, so he is a grinder. He plays nonstop. I'm telling you, if you don't know Pat Sem now, you're going to because he is he is absolutely dialed in, locked in, and uh, he's going to be a really high value pick if someone takes him early. And what I love Pat, right? Pat. Yes, it is. It is Pat. Yeah, Pat. Got it. What I love about this one too, and again, this is only on paper. I haven't seen him play. He's a senior, right? Yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure I got the age right. And if it was right, I want to say he was close to 60. Uh, if I remember correctly, I can't remember what his birth date was, but that is awesome because we're talking about this young, everyone we've listed so far is teens or 20. So we now are throwing in a, you know, essentially a 60 year old, a senior who can come in and, and carry that demographic. I love it when the old guys come in now and you get that like, 13 year old against the 60 year old and you get this battle. I just absolutely love that. So he's going to be awesome too. Justin Duke, uh, another player who's probably not on anybody's radar. Um, statistically he's real, he's up there, you know, top 10 in DPR top 20 in PPR. So you combine those two things. If you look at the top 10 DPR and the top 21 PPR in the pro division, you're talking about a player that was probably top 15 in the league. So if you look at the entire division, of the rookies and he's got both stat categories covered that's good and again what can he do an actual play outside of, of a statistics this is a guy who wins world's brackets so he's proven himself in actual competition and winning a bracket there so um really excited to see what he he can do vincent frisch obviously coming out of the pdc this is a player that should also be on most um, top 16 list. Trey, uh, you had him at 12. I had him at 13. So we both agree he's kind of in that bottom part of the of the 16. Um, Vincent Frisch, what do we get out of him? This is a guy that can come out of the PDC at a national and beat Jamie Graham in round one because that's what happened. So that's the player you're going to get out of Vincent Frisch. You know, he, he has the ability to beat world championship level talent. Uh, he's going to be awesome, I think. Um, Ian Cripps, another kid that just goes out there and grinds. Um, top 35 in the league for this young team. And if you look at players who, who he outranked, I mean, again, this is the kind of player you're going to get. He's outranking guys like Kingsbury, Maudlin, Jordan Power, Birchfield, Ryan Smith. This is a kid that outranked uh, these type of a players in singles. And we watch this kid constantly grinding on social media. Um, I, he absolutely gets my, one of my top 16 picks. You mentioned Jamie Finchin a little earlier. Another guy that I'm excited to get my eyes on, the number seventh ranked non-pro qualified via the open. So he's a guy that came out in the whole nation and said, I can get in in the top 24 in open points. You got to look at the qualifiers and the open points and say, dang, these guys have got to be good. Because if you look in past history, players that have come out of the qualifier, you know, or even one uh, advanced level brackets at Worlds, like Justin Burton Jr., Logan Chamberlain, Caden Allen, Fisher Hamilton. These are guys that have shown in history, if you can win an advanced level bracket at Worlds, that's the kind of talent that you get when they come to the league. Um, and then my last, am I on the last one there, 16? Ryan Trader. And Trey, you also had him in the bottom. I think you were like 13, 14. Um, number four ranked non-pro in the open division. Took second in an advanced bracket at Worlds. And then we saw what he could do on ESPN already. Uh, took that juniors. Uh, I think he qualified in both singles and doubles. 
um, took them both all the way to the finals. So that kid's going to be a nice talent coming in too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anthony. Time for buy or sell. Read you a line. You let me know if you buy or sell. The first one, Adam Hisner and Cody Henderson splitting up was a mistake. I feel like we know Anthony's feelings on that from earlier, but Trey, what, what do you think? <laughs> buy or sell? Yeah, you know what? I, I am going to buy it. I think the team chemistry was just too much. Um, I think it, they're unique personalities. It'll take some time to gel with others, and that's part of what gave them such high level of success. I, I'll buy it. Anthony? Ah, uh, this one's tough, man. Um, okay, we're talking about a team that they finished, what, seventh in doubles. So I guess you can look at it and say – it's always a mistake if you break up a top 10 team, but you have to look a little deeper and we see behind the curtain a little bit. I don't think they would have been as successful next year just because of a lot of off the court stuff they're dealing with. Um, I actually am good with this split. I'd like to see where Cody Henderson ends up first though, to say I like where they both ended up, but I really like where Adam Hissner landed with it, with a Birchfield, uh, not a mistake. Okay. That would be a sell. Power Neistead will be better than Neistead Shermerhorn. Yeah, so this is a team that started really well last year. Faded a little bit at the end. They won a couple events. I'll I'll buy it slightly. I think it'll take some time, and I'll buy it definitely for the end of the season. I think they will start a little bit slow because it's a different dynamic. Shermerhorn and Neistead were happy-go-lucky. Power and Neistead are going to be intense, right? It's a different type of... And even when they talk back and forth, it's more of like an aggressive, you know, talk back and forth. So I'll buy it. They'll start slow, though. Anthony? I'm buying it. Uh, I really like this partnership. Uh, I think Joe Neistead is a good fit for Jordan Power. Joe Neistead is a really chill guy. Uh, and I think he can he can handle what he's going to get back from Jordan Power. Now, Joe can be intense as well, and he's going to get into the game. Very high IQ guy. I think they do really well together. I think they do better or outperform them significantly. Um, I, I kind of like this partnership, Joe, uh, Power Neistead. Bye. Rosie Stricker will be the first female drafted. Not according to I your guys. Bella Sup- yeah, I have Bella Sopranant on my draft list. I'm going to sell it, uh, but I think the top three would be Rosie Isabella Soprenant and Miranda Coy. I think those are going to yeah. be the top three off the board and it'll be close. Does someone want to take a risk on Bella will be the ultimate question. Yep. Anthony. I'm going to buy, uh, you nailed it. Bella is the next one in line. We've, cause we've got girls like Finley who are already on a team. Irwin's a captain glass who trended up really quickly at the end of the season. Uh, she's already on a team. So that's really going to leave like a Cassidy Hunter Coy. Like you were saying, yeah, I'm going to buy that one. I think Rosie Streaker goes first. A rookie wins either singles or doubles at open number one. Uh, sell it, unless Jamie Graham's playing with a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony? I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. Uh, you you saw some of the list. We got Richards, Tony Smith, Devin Harbaugh, Kyle Malone. We got all these guys in the field. I'm selling. Caden Allen will be the best rookie showcase performer. Um, you know, I think I'm actually going to sell it. I'll, I'll go on a limb. I'll say Jeremiah Ellis is our best rookie on paper. I think he's got the most balanced game. Caden Allen maybe a little bit lower on that deck around just because he's more of a, a, a dirty style player, a defensive player. So I'll, I'll go, I'll sell it and say Ellis has the best uh, showcase. Anthony. 
I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to buy it. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's right there, neck and neck, Caden Ellis. Um, but there's two or three other guys that could surprise us who are not too far behind. What does this come down to? The comfort, ability to, to throw slick side and stick side. You got to be comfortable both sides, having a well-round uh, showcase. Uh, the ability to shape shots. Do I have a developed airmail and a rollback? You got to have both. I think this is what these guys are going to have that score really high. And I think both of those players have it. But I'm going to buy on Allen. Time for our hot takes. Trey, you got a hot take for us? Yeah, I think that this decision by the Timber to make this trade is good enough to get them into the playoffs. I was not high on who they kept. I thought it was a mistake not to keep Frisch. They kept Justin Doss. But getting Derek King and getting uh, a first-round pick and now having two first-round picks early in the first round I think is enough to get them to the playoffs. Anthony? All right, this is a hot take because I said a rookie wouldn't win. Um, and this isn't going to be a win because I can't go win. That's just too hot. But I'm going to say, because we had Tony Smith, Mark Richards, all those guys in the field. I'm going to say Caden Allen ends up in the finals of singles at open number one, most likely against a Tony Smith or Mark Richards. And we'll see how that plays out. That's funny because mine before buy or sell was that a rookie is going to win something at this weekend's open. So I guess I'm going spicy. Because you won't spicy. That, that is spicy. That is spicy. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. That's fine. That's all I got time for. Uh, look forward to all the action coming this weekend in the draft. And we'll see you all there. Thanks for joining us.